0: Welcome to the Her Influence podcast, calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. A special thanks to Graf Martin Communications, Canada's leading PR and marketing agency serving faith-based organizations from coast to coast for their in-kind support. At Graf Martin, they are true collaborators who come alongside to be your marketing team for good. And now, here are your hosts: Kathy Ostupchuk, Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say.
1: Hey, everyone. My name's Caitlin Say, and I'm joining you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. This is the Her Influence Podcast, where we are inspiring girls and women from across Canada to live with their real voices, their bold words, and their whole hearts. On this episode, I have the privilege of interviewing Susan Wells. This season, we're focusing on girls and women who are living lives of influence in various arenas of society. Because we just believe that God intends to have his hand and his fingerprints in every arena. There's no big division between the spiritual and the secular. That so limits us in carrying out the plans and purposes of God and really being influencers in our nation. I have the privilege on this episode of interviewing Susan Wells. She is the wife of the National Director of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, David Wells but that's just one of the hats that she wears. She has a passion to make homes beautiful and a place of meaningful connection. She's actually hosted this TV series called Dream Homes, and she's authored several books, several home decor books. This is part of her life's passion, and she uses her passions to really reach out and connect with her community because she believes that Christians should be influencing culture, And whatever your passion is and whatever it is that you feel you were made to do, she just believes that that's for God's glory. And she lives that out so beautifully. She's got a heart for evangelism to really reach the nation. And she believes that the key to doing that is effective mentorship and discipleship. And on this podcast episode, Susan tells us the story of a woman named Emma. And as she was telling me the story in this interview, I was so moved by her description of Emma's small, loving gestures. Susan believes that it's the small gestures of many of us collectively that move the movement of the gospel forward powerfully. She talks about how Emma had a disability, but she loved a little girl who kept showing up on her doorstep. And that little girl was Susan Wells, who's gone on to live a remarkably influential life. So I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation with Susan Wells. Well, welcome to the Her Influence podcast. We're looking to inspire women to live with bold Words, whole hearts, and to really embrace their real voices. And I have the privilege of hosting today on the podcast none other than Sue Wells, a woman I have so much respect for. Um, she's got all kinds of experiences and stories to tell, and has done amazing things. And when it comes to influence, she really understands the nature of of God's influence through her life in the world and um, in so many different ways. And in particular. On the topic of discipleship. Um, Sue, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your own passion and heart for discipleship?
2: First of all, I can't help but eat, breathe, live discipleship every single day because that's what brought me here today. So uh, as a child growing up that I um, Uh, I came to Christ not through attending an evangelical church or a church like most people would, but um, and we might get into it in a bit, but because someone, a neighbor lady, poured her heart out to me and spent years reading Bible stories to a little girl, which developed into mentorship and discipleship through all my teen years. If it wasn't for mentoring and discipleship, I wouldn't be here today. My family wouldn't have been transformed. So uh, I can't Mm -hmm. help but have that at the top of my list of what's important in the Christian life.
1: Huh. Well, you just painted a beautiful path to uh, some of what we want to talk about today, this path to transformation. And I um, mean, you know, you've even talked about your family and how that it begins to influence your your world in bigger ways when Jesus Christ enters the scene. So you alluded to becoming a Christian. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How did that happen for you, Sue?
2: Um. Well, I had a neighbor girl friend who introduced me to her her aunt Emma, who was just a just a, a neighbor. I happen to be back in my hometown right now, a little town across the river from Quebec. So I'm right where it all started. And right so uh, from that first visit, this lady had a vision and a call to win the whole world for Christ. She 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 that's all she seemed to think about. The only problem is she was handicapped. She um, didn't have the use of her legs and could never get out of her house. So she had a call to win the world. And all she had was this little girl showing up at her door. And <laughs> rather than be bitter, rather than wait for the big call, although she prayed for healing, uh, she just started reading Bible stories to me um, through the years. And as a result of that, I remember um, at the age of 11, one time uh, just saying my regular, now I lay me down to sleep prayer that I had been taught and feeling a sense of God's presence. God speaking to me saying, Give your heart to me. I didn't even know something like that could happen. Emma hadn't told me that. So I was discipled, mentored, uh, came to Christ without even entering um, just a, a church that taught the whole gospel. That was what someone using their table did for me.
1: Wow. You say she had a call to win the world and all she had was a little girl. All she had as if it's, you know, it's, it's little or it's small, but in fact, it's the very piece of the puzzle that God had for her to play, to win the world. What a woman, uh, what was, what was she like? What was this woman like that played such an important role in your development?
2: Well, she was an overcomer. Um, she talked about being forced to leave school in grade four because, um, she was a handicapped. She she came with down with polio the same year that Franklin Delano Roosevelt did. So we're going way back. And huh. so rather than be discouraged, and constantly praying for healing because her call was this big call. So pre-Amazon, she just lived on mail-order books. And <laughs> as I got older, um, all the, these mail-order books were almost all missionary stories, preferably missionaries who had been um, tortured <laughs> or maybe martyred. Huh. Our world was that God has a big plan for you. And um, in the practical things of life, saying things like, she taught me how to entertain. She would say things like, Susan, um, uh, no man is worthy of you who will not respect you. All these little nuggets she's dropping into my life and you would say that I'd come from a dysfunctional home. I didn't realize that till I hear other people talk about dysfunctional families. And I go, oh, that was nothing compared to mine. But uh, so this mm. woman pours into me. I eventually was able to start to go to um, her church in my teen years. But that was after, by then, you know, 10 years of someone not understanding why the big call wasn't working out, praying for healing, for the doors to open. But yet in the meantime seemingly willing to um, do what we would call the small things rather than get bitter. um, She just used what she had. Wow.
1: And you, uh, you were that little girl on her doorstep and you are having opportunities to stand on real, on real mountains of influence. And where would you be without the woman who recognized the opportunity to pour into the little girl on the doorstep?
2: It's isn't it interesting that someone who never almost never left her house, um, she just taught me big picture, big world. Susan, there's nothing more important than your family come to Christ. There's nothing more important. And uh, a few years ago, and I travel around the world with my husband and I share Emma's stories, and In many countries were being handicapped. You were at the low end of the totem pole, you don't right. have a future. And, and I see hope come up in the arise in these hearts. And it hit me oh, Emma didn't realize it's the little girl that was going to get to tell her story around the world. So, wow, your so, prayer was answered. God was just going to use the little girl because she was faithful to just that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. It might sound kind of cute now, kind of quaint, but really, do you want a child from five to 18 showing up at your door? constantly there must have been times where she didn't want me around but she didn't let me know it took sacrifice it and you know what i think that's an important acknowledgement
1: this call to discipleship takes sacrifice and um, I often feel you know I'd almost rather in our culture ask someone for a check than I would for their time to mentor me or to to pour into because time is it's just so valuable and um, it, it really is a sacrifice but what I hear you describing in this in this discipleship in this formation that you experienced through relationship with this woman is that it really impacted um, your spiritual growth and uh, you know your spiritual development but also you said like very practical things like entertaining and um, some of these things that you just needed to to um, skills right to live this life God's called you to so um, yeah how did you see all that play out and what were all of the different ways that you recognized she really shaped who you
2: are? just to throw in about the time thing is yeah, we get the idea, Oh, here's this handicap lady and she's alone in her house. And I'm just, so that's the wrong impression too, because she, she had a sewing business from her home. Like she, she oh was a sewing business and, Everything she did took all day. And I asked her to tell me stories once later. And she said, Susan, I remember once you showed up and asked me to read you some Bible stories, and it was wash day. And wash day for her meant that's all she would do all day. It's a ringer washer. Someone would have to close the line. She said, Susan, for some reason, I could never turn you away. So we went over to the rocking chair, and I read you some Bible stories. And then I went back to my day. So, um, you know, she wasn't less busy than us. But the impact was... And she taught me this, and kept my mind on the big picture because, um, you know, my dad was a railway, an engineer on the railway here in this town, and had senior position. But um, you know, we never talked about it then. But when he when he didn't work, he drank, and so you can just imagine all the dysfunction that follows that. And uh, there were hurtful times that my father didn't understand. Even this church I was going to, it would have seemed to my parents, it wasn't my mother's, um, it wasn't her heritage, so she didn't understand. My father thought it was cultish, and uh, you could say there was a lot of persecution, but even though we didn't talk about it specifically, when Emma would always help me see the big picture I could get through the hurts of the day because there was a bigger picture. There was a bigger mm. goal in mind that eventually my family would come to faith. And that meant me staying there, being there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so many things that she didn't necessarily say, oh, this is a discipleship uh, lesson on such and such, right?
1: Yeah. It yeah, just came Right. And I, you know, and I say you, you know, discipleship and she discipled you, but really it is the life of Christ flowing through her into your life in so many different ways um, through that relationship and just doing life together. You know, ultimately that call to discipleship is our first It's our purpose on this earth is to bring people into that um, relationship with Jesus and that ongoing um, fulfillment with him. And so it's a beautiful picture of, of how she did that in your life. And you alluded to the big picture and, um, you know, the big picture of what God is up to. And I love how he calls us to the small things and the small moments and to see how they're connected to his big picture um and and you talked as well even about you know your family see the picture is always bigger than just what's happening inside of us and our own development um god calls us to begin to look at how that then affects how we live and what we bring into the spaces we walk into so how did you see this development and this discipleship relationship with emma begin to infiltrate you know your family relationships and and the way that you you know viewed yourself in the world
2: Um, There's a phrase that I use now that I never thought of then, that you can choose to pass on your baggage or you can choose to pass on your blessing. And so looking from the outside, my life should have been full of baggage, really tough stuff. Um, Eventually I was able to bring my um, younger siblings um, to church. My parents didn't understand it. Uh, When my father drank, it could be, it could be, um, it can be pretty brutal at times, you know, and I I took the risk at times of even physically having to bear the brunt of that. And so, uh, through the years, and when you have a family with lots of dysfunction and then you, you move away from each other, but there was this call of, I've got to keep in touch with family. I've got to keep showing up. And, um, So as a result of uh, so much pain in my family, my younger siblings, kind of it seemed like they were drifting away from God or they had. A lot of it was, that's what it looked like on the outside, but on the inside, they were just so filled with pain. But as a result of um, showing up, I'll try to keep this real short uh, with them, but um, geographically separated, but getting together and then um, moving to a place near one sister where um, after about three and a half years, uh, one time she'd scream to me, never say church to me again. That's pretty blunt. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then getting a call about 630 one morning. Susan, I've just come back to the Lord. I searched through the mm-hmm. night. And I found and I found the Bible you gave me as a little girl. But that was a lot of showing up in between talking about small talk about things, feeling like you have nothing in common, right? And um, uh, my brother's birthday is today, but he passed away last month. Um, he probably he probably had some bipolar conditions, but so he came to faith too, you know, when he was a little kid, when I left home nine years younger than me, but I would just, I would mail, um, sp- stories of, uh, Christian sports heroes. And he would tease me after he says, ah, oh, I'd get halfway through your book and realize it was another Christian book. But, um, I, my brother was like uncle Buck, if you know who John Candy was, the comedian, <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I, I do recall because you'd sucked me into reading it. And then you'd mail me another book and I'd then I caught on to you. So I'd look on the back cover and I'd see a picture of a little steeple and think, ah, it's another one of her Christian books. But ah, the cover had caught me. So it was a lot of years of pouring in and not seeing results. Yeah. Um, so just showing up and and it's something we don't talk about because it hurts so much with family. I, I can pray for all of Africa and I won't feel any level of pain like I do for my own family. Yes. And so one by one out of the five children. Um, all came to faith. Because of lots of beggars, there's been struggles through the years and showing up. But just having my brother pass away last month, obviously early in life, but and a lot of times it meant just kind of bringing them back from the brink and helping them deal with things in life. And so what I want to say is, sometimes a call to discipleship and mentoring is a call to pain, when you would Mm -hmm. rather be with your church friends, and honestly, Caitlin, I'd rather be with you than many of my family. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> we never want to admit that, right? But um, <laughs> but sometimes we have to embrace the call to pain. And I, I do want to say that my father did come to faith in a way that I never, ever dreamed. Wow. And, um, so I, don't, I know there's only so much time here, but it takes decades. And um, I just shared with you before the podcast, I'm here uh, in French Canada, French English Canada. Most of my relatives can't speak English. And I never quite know where they are faith-wise. And yesterday, I'm—I have 54 cousins. I have uh, was 14 in this big family. And um, yesterday, David and I, with my cousin translating, not knowing, just in a natural, somewhat natural way, we got to talk about faith and that believing in Christ. Christ only is the way to salvation. And so I thought, wow, this is over 40 years of you know since David and I have been together. Coming to this little town and and showing up with relatives that not all speak English and it's not totally comfortable, but thinking, mm. oh, we have such an, a message for them. So, yesterday yeah. was pretty neat. Uh, wow! Odd work. Wow! Well,
1: thank you for sharing that. You've repeated a few times as you've been sharing the words "showing up." And that was something that stuck out to me when I first met you. And as you were telling me some of of your story and the difficulties of of growing up and feeling some of that pain. Um, but then, you know, being willing to just keep re-entering into the relationships that God's calling you to. It's so easy to find a comfortable circle and to make a comfy big chair there and to stay there. But you have refused to do that in your life. And, um, you've really refused to allow bitterness to take root in you and in your life. And you've let the love of Christ be the love song over your life and, uh, define your days. I'm wondering for our list today susan just when we encounter those those moments of of feeling that bitterness or that resentment or um you know how can you describe the the relationship and the love you experienced through even your uh, discipleship relationship with emma and the the love of christ that kind of came through the hands of another human being how did that empower you to live a life of love
2: hmm. First of all, I am not naturally norm or normally a doormat. I'm pretty fighty, <laughs> so I don't want someone to think they're listening to Saint Susan because absolutely, not. <laughs> and the opposite. I I I really like my rights, <laughs> you know. Okay, um, that's good. That's I, healthy. The right to be treated well, and I don't have to take bad behavior. So, um, but there's a whole other way to look at it. And you mentioned the word even with showing up. So many times you show up, especially long term, and you think. Ah, I can't can't see how this is going to work out. I can't see how God can use me. I can't see the end picture. But two things kind of help me get through it. I don't know if I show up if anything will happen, but I do know that if I don't show up, for sure nothing will happen. And that helps me me get through it. It's a one step. And And then I think if there was nothing I could say that visit or nothing I could do in response... I have to carry, I have to count on that. I carry the presence of Christ. He doesn't need my clever words. And so, Mm. and with the hurt thing, um, I I have, it it is miraculous, I guess, to be able to see it as not taking it personally, but you still feel the sting. So I'm not talking about suppressing and not admitting that it hurts, but, Mm -hmm. um, that there's a, there's just a, I keep using that word bigger picture. If you don't have your eye on kingdom values, what's going to matter in the end, you'll never get through this because mm-hmm. we all want to run from pain and there's lots of easier places to be than with in situations that are tough. Yeah. mm
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you refer to those kingdom values that it sounds like Emma really lived out and embodied and that, that, that rubs off on us in all kinds of ways. And like you said, it might not even be spelled out. Sometimes things are caught more than they're taught and you caught, you, you know, you referred to just her presence and who she was and, um, what it was like being around her. And so, um, I agree with you that that discipleship that call to discipleship it is a sacrifice but it it is so well modeled by Jesus himself he lived what he spoke and he spent the time with the people that he loved to teach them and to bring them into that that life that he was inviting inviting them into um, and it sounds like that showing up has brought transformation to the hearts of your family and I think a lot of us can relate with you and I think for our living listeners today too it can be those closest relationships that are most difficult to bring our full selves into and to really bring um the values of the kingdom into, you know, to maintain that, that love and that, um, respect and, uh, those healthy relationships. So it's amazing to hear, but like you said, you know, 40 years, you know, long time coming. How did you hold on to hope through that long time of waiting as you were continuing to show up and show up and hope that Jesus would bring change?
2: So the big thing is, um, you can't count on emotions. And um, so I, I feel the hopelessness. And so I can feel one way and do something else, right. And sometimes I ask God, like, show up in ways that I I pray for miracles. Show show up in ways that I can't expect because and um, so you know I'm giving you're getting little snapshots over the years. And when I say the 40 years, I always kind of count on it was 40 plus years ago that I left home. So I'm actually 64 now. So it's been a, uh, a long time. But I, I think of um I had a conversation with my sister, the other side of the world. She's in New Zealand, and just over a year ago, we're walking on the beach, and it seems like it's been so up and down with her. And, and she's talking about the pain of childhood and our father, and I can't get past this. And I felt God abandoning me. And, and sometimes you think, What can you say after all these years? And I think I shared with you that the very next day, I, I kind of joke about some Christian movies. Some of the older ones can be pretty cheesy, and I'd never invited non Christian. And the subject came up there was a Christian movie in town I can only imagine. And for those that have seen it, Everything in that movie, almost everything, portrayed our lives growing up in an alcoholic home. I had no way of knowing that 24 hours later, when my sister said, I know God has forgiven my dad, but I don't know if I can. And those words come up in the movie. And then my Mm. sister saying to me literally a couple of weeks ago, Do you remember last year when I said to you, I felt God had abandoned me? And I said, Yes, I remember. And she said, Just after Jim died, I walked out and she said, I felt God say to me, Do you remember what you said to Susan? Well, I never had abandoned you, and I never will. Last hmm. year, I couldn't have expected that. Last year, I'm in the same conversation as decades ago, but yeah. without showing up, that can't happen. So I don't want to suppress, I, maybe I've gone down a rabbit trail, Caitlin, but um, I can't wait till I feel comfortable. I can't wait till yeah. I feel good and, and um, so. Um, uh-huh. I, I can't. Want, because I have all those negative emotions that anyone else would have
1: and thank you for opening the honest door to that because that allows us to walk on in with you you know we're saying yeah me too um we're human and our emotions are are up and down and um and I appreciated earlier in our conversation you said you know you acknowledge that there's pain it's not a covering up it's not a pretending things don't hurt it's not a Pollyanna kind of false view of the world. It's it's a real genuine acknowledgement, but it's also a real faith that says, God is enough for me to feel and experience this with courage to, to wade through it, you know, um, to acknowledge it and to heal it. And not only to heal, you know, to heal you and, and to heal me, but then to empower us to walk into spaces and bring the healing. And um, and so, you know, I know that you have opportunities right now to speak and to um, influence at a global level. You're meeting people all over the world who are encountering this transforming presence of Jesus Christ and you're seeing what's happening. How do you see discipleship being key to transformation with Jesus Christ at the very center?
2: Well, I'm involved in lots of big things. You're sure you, you've got some incredibly bold and big initiatives. But when I talk about, when I think about individuals, the average person, um, I want to say, think small. Go small. Hmm. And so, you know, sometimes we hear these stories of these great exploits that people are doing and people that, you know, when you're up front, you automatically get more attention. But the church grew because people went, so when I say go small, go to your coffee house um, hmm. who, uh, there's a scripture I want to read in Zacharias. that says, despise, not the small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So yeah. I show up at my coffee house and sometimes I'm in conversations where someone will use language or talk about something. And I, I'm almost choking on my cup of tea because I'm not used to that kind of thing. <laughs> and I think, Oh God, how can, um, how can I, First of all, yes, I, I've got to stop trying to figure out the whole plan. I've got to stop praying when my prayers are just to connect the dots for God. And uh, huh. I still struggle with not being able to figure it all out. But um, we've got to have people over to our homes. It's They say it's a dying art, but um, sometimes that opportunity isn't available. I remember we were with a couple once. Um, the baby was HIV positive. He was a she was the pimp, she you know, the mother was a prostitute and and it, it's huh. Father's Day and they're at our church. And I thought, what can we do? And this was in the 90s when people didn't even know if you could touch, you know, people like this. And we and we went to McDonald's and we took our kids and I got my kids to hold the baby and I just said, Oh, wash your hands after, not telling them why. And so huh. how small is a meal at McDonald's? Um, yeah. what is a coffee? What is pouring into one thing? And when I hear from people every now and then that will Maybe email us or now we've got Facebook and they'll say, Susan, I remember we used to have the sleepovers with the girls, and we never talked about God. We talked about boys and fun and and, and Dave, we remember your door was always open. It doesn't get smaller than that. And we hmm. can't despise the small things. So who in hmm. your life makes you feel uncomfortable? Where are you showing up? And uh, hmm. rather than get upset because Starbucks took a Christmas tree off their coffee cup, I think. When did it become Starbucks job, right? Why do we check who's sending out a Christmas card? What politician is saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? When did it become their job to be showing up? Oh, I just got very yeah.
1: happy. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? I yes. I am actually just amazed at how you... you the very evidence of where we started this conversation talking about Emma her impact on you like it's coming out right now in I just asked you about your global influence and you kind of had opportunity to maybe talk about these big things or big initiatives and you brought us back to the small interactions that we're having with people every day and that this way of life that Jesus is calling us to live to, to be attentive to him. I like the, the call, you know, blessed are the available. And that's sort of what you just depicted for us is showing up at the coffee shop and being available for a conversation for that moment that God might have for us that day. And, um, and that really is at the heart of, of discipleship is having these open eyes for the moments to impact another life. Um, I want to ask you, you know, when it comes to your heart for discipleship and for the, the advancement of the gospel and just to see change in this nation in the name of Jesus and, and across the globe, what what do you want to say from the top of your mountaintop of influence? You know, God's taken the little girl on Emma's doorstep and uh, given her a voice and um, done amazing things in her life. What, what's the message that you have
2: from the top of your mountain? Hmm. Um, it's interesting that Jesus said, don't pray for the harvest. Most of pray for the workers. That's the easy way out. And so I even say to people, don't pray for revival. If you're thinking of an event, um, don't think of, think of a person. And so I'm kind of just summing up what I've said before, but, uh, with this big picture is, uh, to be available and to see yourself as one of the connect the dots to someone's life. So there are some people that have giftings. They're part of the, part of their connect the dots is to be up front to head initiatives. That's their gifting. But, even if you're that person, most of your life should be to connect the dots that no one sees. To say, God, I want to be, I want to connect someone today, and I don't know how, but even show me how to get out of my routine. Oh, all my friends are Christians. I mean, I'm a pastor's wife. Uh, I'm, I'm just so in right now. It's very hard to get out <laughs> outside and uh, say, God, help me to go to the uncomfortable places and give me the courage and give me Your heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The heart that, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus so often left the crowds and went to the one. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to have that heart and believe that God can, let's start believing that people actually want God in their lives, rather than mm. assuming no one wants to hear it. I'm assuming the other way, and I'm going to find mm-hmm. an opportunity to talk about it
1: that last sentence, you really are intentional about finding those opportunities. And I thank you for being such an inspiration to me and to so many in the way that you do that. You seek out all kinds of diverse people and opportunities just to show up back to your words and really practice courageous living in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we feel we have to go somewhere far, do do something big, but, um, in our community, there's probably many places we haven't been, and that can actually be a new adventure of courage that we can choose on any day. Like you said, showing up at a, at a coffee shop simply with the intention of being available um, is one element of discipleship, and it's an element of um, being Being a disciple and bringing people, having the, living with the intention to bring people into the way of life in Christ. And like you said, believing that people want God, that God has so much goodness to bring to their lives. Um, so thank you for bringing that inspirational life to us today through this conversation. Susan, thank you for living it out authentically and genuinely in all that you do in your life, your leadership, your family, your personal life. Um, thank you for opening that up to us today. And thank you for this.
2: Great to be with you. And um, let's just all be part of those dots. It'll be yeah. wonderful to see someday. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a big there's a big picture growing and you've helped us to see the big picture. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. What a conversation with Susan Wells. I love how she described Emma. She said she had a large call on her life and all she had was a little girl showing up on her doorstep. That doesn't sound large. However, Susan now sits at the table with the Pope and global leaders talking about the advancement of the gospel for every nation, all because Emma opened the door. She opened her physical door, and she opened the door of her heart, really, to let Susan in. And that mentorship, discipleship, relationship wasn't just about spiritual things, but it was about the practical things really she let her in on all of her life and that's what mentorship and discipleship is about and susan really challenged us through this episode to think about discipleship as the catalyst for transformation for human individual transformation which translates into community transformation and our country's transformation for god's glory I wonder who's at your door. I found myself asking that question as I interviewed Susan. Who are the people at my door that God's calling me to open my physical door to or just open the door to my life? Who's at your door? Who are the people God's calling you to influence? Thank you so much for the reminder, Susan, to be living our lives on purpose in relationship with others so that we can
0: influence our communities for God's glory. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence podcast. We'd love you to share this episode to encourage a friend and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. For more on the Gather Women movement, visit gatherwomen.com for free resources, circles, and events in your area. Thanks to Graph Martin Communications, Canada's leading PR and marketing agency serving faith-based organizations from coast to coast for their in-kind support. At Graf Martin, they are true collaborators who come alongside to be your marketing team for good. We invite you to invest in this podcast and the vision of the Gather Women movement. We want to see the voices of women in Canada and beyond represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations taking place across our great nation. We want to see the presence of Christian women in equal value and strength in every arena of influence, including the local church. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.